The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. It's a post-signing day special edition of Talk of Champions, but we're also talking about Lane Kiffin some more with Norm Chow, the former USC offensive coordinator, UCLA, Tennessee Titans, head coach at Hawaii. He's coming up in about 15 minutes. Then Eli Acker, one of the top-ranked signees for Ole Miss on Wednesday in about 30 minutes. But first, it's Colin. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Not much, not much. I'm curious, uh, from your perspective, back when you were covering recruiting, would you have preferred it like it is now, or uh, did you like it all in one day? I was all for an early signing period. I like the February signing period one day. And I like what Lane Kiffin said on Wednesday about how doing this press conference on Wednesday felt like doing a press conference at halftime of a game. It doesn't work, does this early signing period, for schools that make a coaching change. They're pressed up against it. They only had about a week, did Lane Kiffin and Parcel staff, to put this thing together, 11 signees on Wednesday. I just don't think it benefits really the school or the players to have this anymore. I would prefer to go back to February, but the toothpaste is already out of the tube. It's not going back. This is what it is. At best, you can stump for moving it back a week or so. It just feels weird having it on two separate days. Yeah. It just feels weird. It doesn't have the same event feel as it used to. Exactly. I mean, this was an all-day thing. This was over by 12 today. And it was like that in February, but it still had the all-day thing because some guys, some prospects, would set up their announcements in conjunction with television. So if you're Tony right. Connor or a national prospect that might be committing not just to Ole Miss but any school, you're coordinating with ESPN. Now, 80%, 70% of kids commit in December and sign in December to where in February, it's really a non-event. Now, Ole Miss, it'll be more of a flurry in January. It'll be a circus like I mentioned on Tuesday. But outside of that, a lot of these schools have already filled up. Lane sure seemed to believe he was going to be able to get some guys in January. You know, this 
signing period of early signing period kind of to me is it's kind of like halftime right now you know so we signed some good players today um, that we're excited about uh, you know but we've only been here a week you know there's still a number of kids that we're on some that have already said they're coming that you know want to develop relationships so they're going to push back to February and some other kids that we're on that maybe we're going places that have pushed back to February to give us a chance because we only had one weekend and some kids are still already had that weekend filled. When we start back up again here, obviously like to have a, have our staff in place, you know, to be full strength and then go finish out the second half. You know, just like you can't win the game in the first or second quarter, you can't win recruiting yet. So we'll have a lot of work to do. Talk to a lot of kids over the last two days about waiting, push them back to February and finish really strong. Do you doubt him? No, I don't. That was kind of one of the interesting things. I mean, he seemed really confident that they were going to be able to pull in a pretty good haul in January. The only thing I was surprised by is Josiah Hayes. But honestly, with any of these kids, you're going up against three-year relationships with a guy who's been here for a week. And I know that he has that name, and this is not making excuses, but Lane Kiffin, while he is a national brand, in recruiting, it's a completely different thing. Fan bases, you flip the switch, you move on from Coach X to Coach Y, but recruits... That's a long-held three-year relationship, and to try to break that or beat that in a week, it's pretty much impossible. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and now in Spotify. It's supposed to be. I submitted the form on Tuesday. It should be there. If it's not, let me know at Spirit Ben on Twitter. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood and Sola. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmus.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola, and the rebrand has been a roaring success. They've broken sales records this fall and look to do the same throughout 2020, and they've accomplished this because they're all about the experience, bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. 
So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com, S-O-L-A oxford.com, or give them a call at 662-238-3500. That's 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at MS on all platforms. Sola in Oxford, on the Oxford Square. You know, I, I kind of saw Ole Miss fans today. It felt like it, they were kind of down. and I, I just kind of wondered, like, what, what did you guys expect to happen? Losing Hayes hurt, I got that, but you didn't know who Chris Morris was a week ago. Yeah. Um, I guess if you want to put enough stock into losing Josiah Hayes, I understand it, but it felt like it wasn't a bad day for Ole Miss from a recruiting perspective. This is my whole take, and you might not like it, you might not agree with it, but this is how I feel. You wanted a coaching change? Hell, I'm yeah. right there with you. Now there's Lane Kiffin. The excitement is palpable. Everyone's pumped. Everyone's excited to see what Lane Kiffin can bring as the head coach of Ole Miss. But this is what happens in transition classes. If you're expecting some type of top 15 finish on Wednesday, yeah. you were setting yourself up to be disappointed. This is part of the growing pains. It's like the guy that you know wants to get healthy again. Well, you, if you're going to get healthy again, you probably got to cut back on what you're eating. You can't say, I want to get healthy again and then not be able to go through the pains of that. So this is just part of it. You're going to have a transition class when you bring in a new coach. But my argument, I think they get Hayes and maybe, you know, they probably keep Ashford and the recruiting ranking looks better. I don't know if this class is that much better under Matt Luke, though. It would have been better, but I don't know if it's significantly better. They're like, what, 23rd and 8th, 9th, 10th in the SEC when Matt Luke got canned? Yeah. Now you lost Josiah Hayes, but who else was a direct result of that? And I don't know if Josiah Hayes was necessarily a direct result of not keeping Matt Luke. If you put all the expectations right now on Lane Kiffin to go out and ball out and beat everybody for everyone, you're just not looking at this rationally. Yeah, man, when you have a week to build relationships like this, I mean, it just is what it is. Uh, you know, I thought the most interesting part of his press conference to me was, uh, I think our buddy Nate Gabler uh, asked the question about J.J. Pegues, and he did not give the coach speak answer. He went into detail as to what happened. He was at the All-Star game, so, you know, we can't go see him. We've tried, we tried everything possible. I talked to his coach, um, you know, and they said, you know, his coach tried to put him on the phone and said that he wasn't interested. He'd already made a decision. You know, he was supposed to be up here, I think, the first morning, I think we had a, I think it was the first morning that we were here, and didn't show up. So, you know, I do what the rules allow. I don't know the intricacies of J.J. Piggy's recruitment. I didn't cover it all year. I feel comfortable, however, in saying Lane Kiffin reached out to that kid. I know he reached out to Cutcliffe over at Oxford and wanted to be put in touch with J.J. It feels like, and I don't want to put this on the kid, but it at least feels like He's trying to provide himself some cover for going out of state. If you're going out of state, that's fine. No one's going to begrudge you of that. Be honest. I want to get out of town. I want to go experience something new. He's not going to give up on a kid in his backyard to come play tight end at a position that's got a glaring hole in it. Let's not forget about Chase Rogers, tight end, who's now transferring over from ULL. He could potentially start at tight end next year. Still, the presence of Chase Rogers isn't going to prevent Lane Kiffin from chasing J.J. Piggies. This reeked to me of a cover for whatever heat he might have felt for not staying at home. Just, man, we get it. Most people get it. We've been talking about J.J. wanting to go out of state for a long time, get out of Oxford. This is not new, but Lane Kiffin certainly recruited that kid. To say he didn't is disingenuous. It was a tough spot for Lane, and and, and I'm not saying the question wasn't unfair. It absolutely was, because Lane can't sit there and say no comment to somebody in his backyard saying they didn't contact him. I think he did the right thing and going into detail and saying, no, look, 
we went after that kid because, man, if the perception is you didn't go after a four-star kid in your backyard, it's not a great start to your career there at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin has learned a lot in the many yes. mistakes and the many ups and downs of his coaching career. One thing he's learned is that perception is reality. That's why he's so bold on Twitter. He trolls, but at least it's calculated when he trolls. He knows what he's saying and the influence that it has and the eyeballs that it brings. He's not dumb. So he knows the effect it would have to allow that J.J. Pegues story to metastasize to where he's getting beaten to death about not recruiting a kid when, in fact, he did. So I appreciated him coming out and being strong about it. It shouldn't be a story today. J.J. wanted to go out of town. Great. Everyone got that. I don't understand the need, and I'm not saying that they're lying, but that wasn't for a lack of effort from Lane Kiffin. Maybe there was something lost in translation. I lean more towards the Ole Miss side because it's asinine. Even if you know that it's a doomed effort from the start, you do not let that kid sign with Auburn or Alabama without putting up a fight. Yeah, and I'd like to hear the context in which Piggy said it because it could have been a situation where he was just simply saying that, no, he had his mind made up that he didn't even talk to Kiffin as in like he didn't waste their time. You know, we don't know. We didn't we didn't see the context of the conversation. So it could be that too. But yeah, I mean, you're right. There's, there's a 0% chance Kiffin got in here. I think Piggy's was the one that he was trying to talk to. I guess it was Monday morning before his press conference. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. And he said Piggies didn't show up, I believe. I mean, so, yeah, there, there was obviously effort put in there. And the kid just wanted to go out of state. It is what it is. It is what it is. I don't understand why this is even a story today. But J.J. had the hat on the table of Ole Miss, picking between Auburn, Alabama, and Ole Miss. It was not a well-kept secret that he was going to Auburn for like a month. Even <laughs> if Matt Luke was still here, he wasn't going to Ole Miss. Ooh, that would have been a blow-up. But it's still a blow-up, and for what reason? <laughs> Matt Luke getting fired allowed cover for everyone. Ole Miss, J.J. Piggies, you got what you wanted. I'm really happy for him that he's getting to live out his dream and do exactly what he wanted to do. He's wanted to leave Oxford and go play his college ball somewhere else. I get yeah. it. I wouldn't ever want to play college at New Albany University. You wouldn't want yeah. to play it at Upor University. Why is this a story today other than you felt some type of local pressure? But I just haven't sensed that local pressure. I'm in Oxford every single day. I haven't sensed that local pressure. doesn't mean anything that I haven't felt that. There might have been that on him. I'm not around the Oxford Chargers every single day. I just don't think that that's how this went. So to make this into a story seems rather strange. But best of luck to the kid. I hope he does tremendous things at Auburn. I just find it very hard to believe that Lane Kiffin didn't attempt to recruit him, please. Yeah, it's interesting from Oxford. I mean, there's been plenty of kids from Lafayette and Oxford, and I consider the both of those schools, you know, Oxford high schools, that went to other SEC programs. It doesn't feel like that's a taboo thing. So the pressure angle, you know, kind of to me, I'm with you, it doesn't feel like there's that much of it. There's not. Correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like there's more pressure on kids out of South Panola than there is the kid out of Oxford. Oxford, Lafayette, they have yeah. no problem moving on. Jeremy yeah. Liggins did it. Justin Woodall did it. Brandon Turnage did it. J.J. Pegues has done it. South Panola kids are more loyal to Ole Miss than kids in Oxford, which is fine. <laughs> Just because they were born here does not mean that they're required to go to Ole Miss and for people no. to not like them and be angry because they don't. It is rather funny, though, and it goes back to the point I made on Tuesday. Oxford is much smaller and under a microscope in terms of its size and the scope of prospect it produces to Baton Rouge, Auburn, Tuscaloosa, any number of these hotbeds for recruiting, they produce more prospects regularly. So at Ole Miss, it seems like it's more often than not that they're losing these kids. Well, it's because you're not producing the same volume 
of Division One prospects. Absolutely. There was a kid in Auburn today that from Auburn today that signed with the University of Florida. Look, I don't follow Auburn beat writers or anything. It may have blown up, but it didn't feel like near as big of a deal as that was made about J.J. Pegues. Of course not. They're used to that. But Ole Miss only has one or two that it's dealing with from Oxford in a given cycle, and that's being generous. Most of the time, it's just one. Sometimes it's zero. (laughs) Sometimes it's zero. More often than not, it's zero. Yeah. That was just a strange deal. I, I don't know. I thought it was a good day. Or not a good day. I thought it was kind of just what you expected. I mean, you went in. It's, it's basically like you go into a test knowing that you're going to make a C, and you make a C. You know what Cs do for you in college? It gets you a degree. Hell yeah, it does. <laughs> I know that by experience. You know what? Ds get you degrees if you're, if you're a journalism major having to take Spanish and you don't understand it. I took four semesters of Spanish at Ole Miss. I can't count to ten. I made an A every semester in Spanish. <laughs> I didn't. Can't speak a lick of Spanish today. <laughs> I can say one thing. Por favor, mantenganse jaleado de las puertas. Please stand clear of the doors. It's from the monorail at Disney World. That's all I got. Didn't learn that at Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But it yeah. was fine. That- it, it's exactly what I thought it would be. This is what comes with the territory when you make a coaching change. And I was pro-coaching change. I thought it was time. You felt the same way, that Ole Miss needed a jolt of excitement and needed to bring in a head coach that could galvanize the fan base, blah, 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 blah. You have to sacrifice a short-term recruiting class for a long-term gain. You're not going to get everything you want right now. That was one of the more interesting things from his press conference. Is somebody asked him, he said, you know, did you think about just hiring coaches so you could go out there and recruit? And he said, you know, 10 years ago, I probably would have done that. He's not going to sacrifice the longevity of this program for the short-term gains of maybe two or three kids. We're going to go now to Norm Chow, the Modern Woman phone line, former offensive coordinator for USC, UCLA, the Tennessee Titans, former head coach of Hawaii. He's now the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Wildcats in the XFL. He's one of the most accomplished college football offensive minds in, what, two decades? But why is he coming on this show? Well, to talk about the XFL, but mainly to talk about Lane Kiffin. What does he think about the fit with Ole Miss? Well, let's find out after this brief word from B&A Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. 
The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is Norm Chow, formerly the offensive coordinator for, among others, the Tennessee Titans, USC, UCLA, also the former head coach at Hawaii. Norm's now the offensive coordinator under Winston Moss with the Los Angeles Wildcats of the XFL. Thanks for doing this, Norm. How's everything out in L.A.? Everything's going well, thank you. We're just wrapping up our first mini camp, and we're excited to, to, get, to take some days off for the holidays and get going to training camp in Houston. Well, you're widely regarded as one of the most accomplished offensive minds in the modern era of football. What drew you to the XFL, Norm? Well, I received an email from Winston Moss, uh, our head coach. I was not, you know, I knew of him, obviously, in L.A. Wanted to get together and, and meet, and we got together, and it, it was almost instant. I'm instantaneous, if you will. He's a tremendously passionate coach, football coach. He cares about what he's doing. That became very obvious after about five minutes of visiting with him. It is here in Los Angeles. I live here. Uh, I don't have to go far from home, and it's an exciting venture. We, uh, Winston Moss, if, if you don't know him very well, he is a talented, uh, really, like I said, dedicated and, and cares about football, and, and we do it because we enjoy the game of football, so it's going to be fun. Well, looking back on your time at USC, there in L.A., what are you most proud of? Your coaching tree, the Heisman winners, the championships? What would you say the most proud you were of any of those accomplishments at USC? Oh, I, I tell you what. I tell you what. The, the time we had together at USC was special, mainly because of the young men. We had a tremendous group of people. Uh, you know, Carson and Matt Liner get a lot of publicity, and, and they're good football players, no question about it. Heisman trophy with it, but more than – Better than that, they're, they're good people. They're good husbands. They're good fathers. And that's what I'm most proud about is, is the character of the people that we were able to work with. Well, y'all obviously had quite a staff there, too. Were you responsible for the hiring on the offensive side? I mean, what were your overall responsibilities with that dynamic staff? Well, you know, when, uh, when, we were, when Pete hired us, he obviously had some people in mind on offense. But, he, you know, he, um, he was kind enough to let us interview him and talk with him and and that's where, you know, your, your new coach at Mississippi came in to be. Uh, he was a young guy just, just looking for his real first job. Uh, Pete know, knew, obviously, his father. Pete worked for Monty Kiffin, and Lane came aboard, and he was obviously he was a bright young guy that had a great big future in front of him. Yeah, you brought him up. Lane's obviously the new head coach at Ole Miss. What was your first impression of Lane when you met him and started working with him, and how do you think he's grown? Well, he, he was obviously a very talented young man, um, you know, from a football family. He worked, been around his dad the whole time, uh, very creative, had a lot of good ideas. Uh, it was his first job, really, his first full-time job as our tight end coach and, and, and did a good job, and you could tell the future was bright. It always is if a young guy's willing to work hard and, and, and learn and, and, and do the right things and, and uh, you know, have a chance to, to – uh, what, what am I trying to say? To kind of put forth the ideas that he had, and it obviously worked, and he's in a, in a good spot now. He certainly earned the opportunity to be there at Ole Miss. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. What do you think about the marriage of Ole Miss and Lane? Lane's obviously had some highly publicized stops and down moments, some high moments, but with <laughs> Ole Miss, he seems like he's, I guess, on his mature side of the career now. 
Well, no, no question about it. You know, and every coach has a has downside. Not, you know, yeah, the, the old adage, you're not a good football coach, so you get fired once or twice, you know, and, and <laughs> Lane's been through all that, but he certainly, he certainly deserves another opportunity, and, and he's got one. Every place he's been, he's done a nice job. And, uh, you know, you hope that uh, the recruiting ties are there. You know, he hires the right people. It helps because obviously he's not as familiar with Mississippi as he would be with Florida or California or whatever. Obviously, you had some influence on him as an offensive coordinator, a play caller. You guys were heavy pro style and under center and single back at USC. Most college offenses look nothing like that now. What would you say are the biggest changes you've seen in the college game on the offensive side? Well, it's obviously all the RPOs and the, and the run pass options and those type of things. But, you know, I've seen Lane's teams a couple of times on television, and, and there's still a mixture of both. I think, that, you know, he is a pro style guy, always has been, and but I'm sure he's, you know, he's modern enough to understand that he has to, he has to account for the RPOs and those type of things. Because even the, the, the professional football is, goes some, some of it goes that way. You know, you're not going to see it as much maybe in the professional ranks as you would in college, but uh, there's room for both. There's room for both. As far as evaluating quarterbacks, for you, for the USC brand, you went to Tennessee, like I mentioned, UCLA. You've been a lot of places. When you evaluate a quarterback, what are you looking for? <laughs> Smarts, you know, I think without question, the, the, you know, the ability to process information and to react to the information that you have, I think is critical. And, um, you know, and then accuracy. I think those two things, smarts and accuracy, and, and all the people I've been fortunate enough to work with have been extremely bright people as a quarterback. Besides all that, like I said earlier, they're, they're fantastic people. You know, Philip Rivers is just a great person. Carson, Matt, whoever you name, Ty Detmer. The guys that we've been blessed to work with are all mainly good people and good husbands and good fathers, and that's the whole, that's the whole secret in my mind. How have you adapted as a coach? I mean, look, you've dealt with many a type of player over your tenure as a coordinator, head coach. What's really changed about your coaching style or maybe how you've adapted offense? Well, I, I think the key, again, is to, 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 you know, your job as a coach, I think, is to magnify the skills of the players that you have, and then you adapt to some of the things that they do well. And, you know, you change it a little bit. You're not so stubborn and saying, oh, we're going to do it this way, we're going to do it my way. I think that's crazy. But um, I think if you're willing to, to go along with the the strengths of the player that you're dealing with, uh, you know, I don't care how much football has changed. You'll adapt along with that because you're adapting to that person that you have pulling the trigger. As far as the XFL, what do you anticipate the playing style, the day-to-day games being like for people that are going to be tuning in to watch it and check it out? What do you anticipate the style to be like out there? I, I think it's going to be very good football. You know, the um, the AAF that unfortunately didn't make it, if you watch closely, they played good football. Humanity, they were, they were, they were good coaches. Uh, they played good football. They were very talented young people. You know, you, you're talking about fellows that professional fellows that are just one step below making the NFL. You know, our team, I don't think our team has a guy on it that hasn't been to an NFL camp or played in the AAF. So the caliber of athlete is a guy that's just maybe one step below making it into the National Football League. So the football is going to be good. Now, the, the, the little rule changes about the timing and the tempo of the game, I think it will make it more, even more exciting then perhaps the NFL, as you sit around watching that game for three hours, this one's supposed to go quite, quite faster. And I think that's the question that we all have. How is the tempo going to affect the, 
the the, the game itself and, and the ability to make calls at the line of scrimmage, you know, change plays, change protections, that type of thing. We're all going to find out pretty quick. You make a good point about these guys being a step close to the NFL and many of these guys being in minicamp. There are a lot of Ole Miss players that are in the XFL. you got Jordan Tiamu in St. Louis. you got DeMarcus Gates in Houston. I think this is just another opportunity for these guys to showcase not only their abilities, but prove that they can play at the highest level. And that's where, if you tune into the XFL, you're going to be getting quality football because these guys, they've been in those wars before, and they're hungry. Of course. Of course. You mentioned Jordan Tamu. You know, we're both from, from Hawaii, and you know, you're, you're exactly right. That's a great opportunity for young people like Jordan to show their wares and hopefully get to where they want to go. On the other hand, the XFL is trying real hard to you know, this is a league in of, of itself. And, we, you know, we're going to make it work. The, the commissioner and the owner, those people are going to make it work. They, they're determined to make it work. So it'll be a league that stands on its own, but obviously make, uh, be a platform for some young people that want to make it back, back or to the NFL. I'm glad you brought up Jordan and being from the island. There's a special bond there with a lot of guys that come over. He was not a highly recruited player coming out of a small junior college in New Mexico, goes to Ole Miss and performs really well. What was that like for you to see uh, a guy that really didn't have a lot of attention paid to him coming out of high school and even out of junior college and then perform at the highest level in the SEC? Oh, that's always fun to see. It's always fun to see. It kind of makes me mad, though. I look back at my time in Hawaii and – I wasn't real aware of Jordan Tom. I thought I made a huge mistake by not recruiting the young man. <laughs> oh, that's great. Norm, thank you so much for doing this, my friend. I appreciate you. I know you're going to crush in the XFL. All the best, and we'll talk again. Well, yeah, thanks for having me, and, and check us out. It's going to be good football. That was Norm Chow. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes and cover Ole Miss for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Eli Acker, one of the top-ranked signees for Ole Miss on Wednesday, is coming up in about 10 minutes. I wanted to look at something, however. Lane Kiffin mentioned in his press conference he was on the verge of hiring another member of his staff. As David Johnson, my co-worker at the Ole Miss Beard, reported, that's a tight ends coach. I've heard the name. David has two. We haven't put it out there. I don't know if it's elsewhere. Probably is by now. But let's just say Kiffin could be on the verge of plucking a coach from an SEC rival. On the defensive side, you haven't heard much of anything right now. What's your take on that? Yeah, it just kind of feels like they're going to make sure and get that one right. You know, you kind of suspected at one point Mike McIntyre was going to be back, and it feels like they're trying to consult with some outside guys before they make that hire. So it just kind of feels like they're waiting on something to do with the defensive coordinator position. The fact that they haven't hired one yet is you looking at somebody at the NFL to be their defensive coordinator. Maybe Taj LePoy, but Ole Miss submitted to the SEC for review as potential hires for Ole Miss. Trooper Taylor, Bo sure. Davis. Taj LaPoy, somebody else. And the only one that's been approved is Bo Davis, who was approved last year. Now, you do not have to get a rubber stamp from the SEC and the NCAA to hire a coach. If Ole Miss wanted to, it could. But the SEC will effectively say, look, you can hire Trooper Taylor. And we all know the track record of Trooper Taylor. The SEC will say, you can hire Trooper Taylor. But understand, if anything happens, if the NCAA rolls back into town, you're shit out of luck. That's why there is some hesitancy to hire guys that might have a few red flags on their resume. To be clear, now was Tosh LaPoy one that had to be cleared by the SEC? Yeah. I wonder what happened there. I don't know. However, I heard that Tosh LaPoy wasn't going to happen. Bo Davis, that could happen. But he's not going to be available for another two weeks. So the defensive side, 
you're not going to get any clarity for Freddie Roach, for Charles Clark, Tyrone Nix, Mike McIntyre until at least two weeks. But now Lane Kiffin can step back, the holidays are coming, and he can get some time off. He doesn't have to make his staff finalized until, what, January 3rd, 4th, 5th? Yeah, and I was going to ask you, do you think today had any effect on their job statuses going forward? I don't think today. I think those decisions have already been at least in one small part decided. Okay. So, for example, if Mike McIntyre had a really good shot at being the defensive coordinator, it's the same feeling today as it was yesterday. That's not going to change. I don't think his candidacy was in any way affected by what happened on signing day on Wednesday. But if you made me rank it, of the guys left on the defensive side of the ball, who has the best chance of staying? I'd say Mike McIntyre and Charles Clark are one and two. Freddie Roach would be a distant third. And then Tyrone Nix, I don't think Tyrone's going to be ultimately retained. Derek is gone. I told you on Tuesday, Derek, that was done. Comes out a day later, he's gone. I don't anticipate many, if any, holdovers. The one coach I get a general sense that feels like he has a good shot of being retained is Mike McIntyre. And Lane Kiffin and staff have told recruits they're going to run a 3-4 next year. I think Mike McIntyre has earned another year, but it's not my decision. It's not your decision. It's no one's decisions but Lane Kiffin's. I will say this about Lane Kiffin. This is going to be his program, all information, flow of information. It's going straight through him and only through him. He did not look like he wanted to be there on Wednesday either, man, in that press conference. And I agreed with him. Steps up there and says, why are we doing this? It's like we're doing this at halftime of a game. This early signing period doesn't do it for new coaches. It hurts them more than it helps them. It's just a tough situation all the way around. That was kind of the read I got, too. Like, he wasn't suggesting that, hey, you know, we've got more recruiting to do. It's like, obviously, we have more recruiting to do. This is, what are we even doing here? So that was kind of funny to me. But it is kind of interesting uh, how things are turning and that Lane's the only source of communication from that program. He speaks for the program and, and that type of thing. The funny thing, too is that you're going to see grades handed out from different national writers about National Signing Day. And the only grade you can give an Ole Miss or a Florida State, an Arkansas, any of these schools that had changes, is an incomplete. A lot of schools are filled up, but if you look at the targets still available to Ole Miss, Darnell Washington, McKinley Jackson, I mean, there are a number of different high-ranked players that could still end up on Ole Miss's Signing Day sheet in February that drastically change their recruiting ranking and where they sit in the SEC. Demon Clowney, cousin of Jadavion Clowney, he's a four-star defensive end. He was forever committed to LSU. He's opened his recruitment back up. He's not signing until February, and Ole Miss has already emerged as a potential landing spot for him. Not to say that Ole Miss is going to get him, but Ole Miss is going to pop up on the radar for a number of these type of kids. So there are a number of guys out there that didn't sign on Wednesday that Ole Miss is going to get in on. If they just hit on a couple of them, that's enough to swing their ranking significantly. Ole Miss's ranking will Scott at least I'm pretty sure this is how two four sevens work. Uh, when they're getting like full credit for their first twenty commits and or first twenty signees, and they don't have twenty yet, whereas other teams already are past that twenty, so they're not getting you know the full amount of points for uh, each commitment and signee. So yeah, I think Ole Miss's chances at their ranking going up is is pretty good. We both said that top thirty five more than serviceable for a transition class. Yeah, and I keep talking about his press conference, but there was a lot there. If you listen to him, you know, he talked about, look, we're going to go sign the best players, and and hopefully we address a lot of needs in that, but we are going to go sign the best football players that we can. I thought that was interesting that, look, obviously there's some holes they have to fill, but they're going to go sign the best football players that are out there, and they'll go where they can from that. We're going to sign the best players to win games. Now if it comes down to where they're equal, we're going to choose the in-state player, but 
you know, we're not going to sit here and say, hey, we're going to sign all Mississippi kids. You know, if we got great players that want to come here, really national programs that win for a long period of time, they recruit nationally. There were a couple surprises on Wednesday as well. Derek Bermudez and Tobias yeah. Braun. Those are two players that were not on Ole Miss's radar that popped up on Ole Miss's radar and visited the last weekend before signing day. The responsibility for landing them falls directly at the feet of Lane Kiffin. Tobias Braun follows a similar build that I think we can now safely say is what Lane Kiffin is looking for in his offensive lineman. He's 6'7". Let's look at Eli Acker. Oh, he's 6'6". He wants some big offensive linemen. <laughs> Can't really blame him. Uh, everybody has their style and their preference, and, and that feels like what Lanes is going to be for sure. does make me wonder, who's the best fit at quarterback? It's way, way too early <laughs> yeah. to try to predict that kind of stuff. But long term, does it kind of lend credence then to a Matt Corral? It's not like Matt's huge. Matt's like, what, 6'2 at best? Yeah, I think you could read something off of that about them wanting Cade Renfro instead of Robbie Ashford, right? Renfro's got what they think is a big-time arm, and Crowell does too. There's obviously things Crowell has to improve on, but from a quarterback's perspective, I kind of took something out of Renfro's signature. It's a complete departure from Rich Rod. Rich Rod wanted an athletic quarterback. Yep. Lane Kiffin has a prototype for his quarterback. John Rice is probably number two fighting Matt Corral because I don't think he fits the prototype of what Lane Kiffin wants in a quarterback. But John Rice, as Eli's about to attest, was one of the most dynamic recruiters of the current roster that helped land the players that almost landed on Wednesday. He's already taken over as a team leader. John Rice is going to play and play a lot. I just wonder what it's going to be. I don't think anybody knows at this point. I don't think we know about a lot of guys. There are a lot of players on this roster that could blossom under Lane Kiffin that just weren't going to blossom under Matt Luke, Rich Rodriguez. Miles Battle, I'm still waiting for Miles Battle to be good. I have no <laughs> idea if he's any good. I know what the star ranking is, but if you look at him, if he got off the bus tomorrow and you knew nothing about Ole Miss, you go, oh, yeah, that's one of the best players, right? He's the guy you want leading the line off the bus. If you put him by Laquan and A.J. Brown, you'd say, oh, he's every bit the players, those two. But he hasn't done it. But has he really gotten the opportunity yet? Feels like a lot of guys like that. Uh, Demarcus Gregory is another one. I'm interested to just kind of see how those guys get incorporated into the offense because, look, they've got a lot of highly rated receivers with looks like Elijah Moore's at least coming back for the spring. Jonathan Mingo, Dennis Jackson, Gregory and Battle. I mean, they've got a lot of highly rated guys there, so I'm kind of fascinated how they play that out over the course of spring practice. I had a buddy that texted me on Wednesday, and he was saying, how many spots does Ole Miss have? I don't really know, to be honest with you. I don't cover recruiting on a day-to-day basis anymore. But he asked me how many spots. I said, I don't know, like what, 20, 21, 22? You're probably going to lose a few to the transfer portal after the spring. That's just what's going to happen. Some kids are going to look up on the depth chart and go, oh, God, I'm third. I'm fourth. And I think that Lane Kiffin's going to land transfers too. These guys coming back, Miles Battle, Demarcus Gregory, this guy says to me, he goes, I wish some of these guys hadn't come back. We need the spots. Mm. No, actually, this is perfect. In a transition class, you want a roster to where it won't hurt you too much. I had one person text me. A high-profile former player, this class is going to come back to bite us in the butt. Um, first of all, there's another signing day in February. And yeah. two, the roster with these guys coming back out of the transfer portal gives you the depth that would have otherwise been lost had you kept Matt Luke in this class. It wasn't going to be that much better anyway. Yeah, and, and look, Miles Battles was a four-star receiver that you were happy about adding two years ago today. Um, so look, I, I get the hesitation with, you know, some of these guys coming back and having not performed, but we've said this before depth at some point matters and you continue to lose these guys and lose these guys and you're lacking for depth. So 
why would you not want these guys back? It's warm bodies in a room at the very least. Well, it's the same reason why when kids enter the transfer portal, they don't get, for the most part, the same type of attention that other high-profile transfers get. Like, not every kid is going to be Joe Burrow, leave Ohio State and go to LSU. Not every kid's going to be Justin Fields, leave Georgia and go play at Ohio State. A lot of these kids, when you enter that portal, schools look at you as damaged goods. And it's the bright, shiny new toy that's coming up in the new class. I think fans look at it the same way. They prefer to see a Alante Brown over Demarcus Gregory Miles Battle. I don't know if I feel that way. I still don't believe that Miles Battle has even remotely touched the potential that he had. But you could get two years of production out of Miles Battle starting next year under Lane Kiffin, and you don't know what Alante Brown is. He could be a lottery ticket for all you know. Yeah, I feel like just maybe a fan base, but feels like, you know, all over the country that if guys don't want to tr- contribute by the end of their freshman or sophomore years, that they're washed and no good. A lot of guys take a little time to develop. And I don't think it's smart to give up on kids just because they've gone through two years and maybe not put the results up that you expected them to. Just because the new guy is new and you don't know what he can do doesn't mean he's going to be any better than these guys. So I would prefer to go in with players that at least I know have the potential or have at least played at the highest level to where they can improve under Lane Kiffin and get better. If you believe in Lane Kiffin, if you believe that he's a drastic improvement over Matt Luke and also Rich Rodriguez is an offensive play caller along with Jeff Lebby, then trust that those players that you felt like weren't being utilized properly are going to get better. And getting them out of the transfer portal, you were going to lose Matt Corral probably. You were definitely losing Miles Battle, Demarcus Gregory. Getting them back, that matters, and it helps soften the blow of what every transition class, for the most part, save for that first class under freeze, always is. And this class is incomplete. This class could be just like Hugh Freeze's. We don't know. It's ranked higher than Hugh Freeze's right now. So gauge it in February and then even take some of February's results probably with a grain of salt just because, man, it's a transition class. I think people will be happier February 6th or whatever the hell day it is than they are today. Of course. That was always going to be the case. Yeah. Give Lane Kiffin a month. There's a lot of recruiting left to be done. Now, most of the prospects are off the board, but also remember, most schools are filled up. There are a number of guys that didn't sign today with Ole Miss that were going to sign originally that will probably end up signing with them in February, like a Robert Scott. I think Arkansas is going to be a definite threat for Robert Scott. They're going to be desperate, do everything they can to get him. But players like that, many of them are going to end up back with Ole Miss, assuming that Lane Kiffin wants them. Yeah. You know how we said, you know, maybe you don't look at the ranking and don't fret over a transition class. That doesn't apply if you're Arkansas. Did you see their ranking? Yeah. It's in the 80s. It's bad. Good luck. Mississippi State's ranked, like, what, 10 spots ahead of Ole Miss? If you're a Mississippi State fan, how are you okay with that? You should be crushing Ole Miss right now. They should have been crushing Ole Miss for three years. and Yeah, they won. and there's football. not really any separation at all. Yeah, they won a football game because somebody dog-peed in the end zone. <laughs> at least there was no Floyd Raven today. Oof, or DJ oh, Law. I'll never forget Floyd Raven. I'll never forget. I was in high school. That was my senior year of high school. I got a text message from my dad, and he was like, Raven signed with Ole Miss. And I'm like looking on Twitter, and it's like, Raven signs with Texas a and I'm like, well, that's a problem. Well, this is where I was. In my seat, I was at the quarterback club. That's back when the Ole Miss Spirit used to go there every single signing day. Thank God I don't do that anymore. Not to disrespect the quarterback club. Fun for those guys. I get it. But I was usually stuck back in a closet doing a bunch of dirty work. I just had to be there for some reason. Chuck just required me to be there, which was fine. But anyway... So I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting in this one chair, and Yancey's right beside me. 
Yancey's texting with his mom. I'm texting with the kid. I had a great relationship with Floyd Braverman. It was really strange because he and I talked a lot early in the recruiting process. Then he ghosted me. Then about November, late November, he just randomly one night texted me late at night. So I responded, and then we stayed in touch. February rolls around, and here we are on signing day. I said, Floyd, did you sign with Ole Miss? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I signed with Ole Miss. I signed with Ole Miss. All right, cool. Um, Let me know if anything changes. Yeah, yeah, man. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Yancey gets a text back from his mom saying, we haven't decided yet. And then Floyd goes dark on me. Yancey starts talking to mom some more. He goes, I think he's going to text saying and I'm like, wait a second. Wait, what? Takes to Floyd back. And again, I did not initiate contact with Floyd to begin with after he goes to me, which is fine. That happens all the time in recruiting. Thank God I don't cover this crap no more. But I texted him. I said, hey, Floyd, don't mean to bother you, man. Are you going to text saying him now? And all he sent back was dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, what do you do? How do you report that? How do you report on that? I would literally just quote the text message. I almost Not- did it. I think my running update on Floyd Raven on the message board was, as far as I know, he's still going to Ole Miss. That's what the kid says. You always tell him, this is what the kid told me. But how do you describe dot, dot, dot? That was like the thinking man emoji. The hell is he thinking? I don't know what he's thinking. I just went, cool, man. Talk to you soon or something. Holler at you soon. But he signed with Ole Miss. Like he sent in the LOI, right? Houston Nutt swears that his mom really wanted the kid at Ole Miss. I don't know what I believe happened there. That's the book. That's the book title for my recruiting book. <laughs> dot, dot, dot by Ben Garrett. Is Cam Akers or uh, Floyd Raven chapter one? Oh, Cam Akers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Oh, God. So we got Cam Akers, Chris Jones, Floyd Raven. Yeah. We can write a book. Tony Connors recruitment. That one was wild. Oh, man. I got some stories. <laughs> Nick Brazel's recruitment. I got a great story. Chris Jones is my favorite. Oh, dude, I can tell you a story about Chris Jones. Yeah. I'm sitting in the fraternity house while with uh, Chris Jones while people are saying he's not in Oxford. I'm like, bullshit, there he is. Wait, were you the guy that put the picture up? No, but I was like standing by the guy that took the photo. <laughs> and they were like, he's not in Oxford. I'm like, well, somebody might want to tell him that. Yeah, Chris was signing with Ole Miss. And then he was. mom was at Buffalo Wild Wings with uh, Hugh Freeze. Oh, boy. That was so strange, too. After Chris has signed with Mississippi State, gone on to play and play well for the Bulldogs, Hugh Freeze saying, yeah, I still talk to Chris. We have a great relationship. Why? <laughs> I get being Ed Ordron, seeing those guys after a game you played, meeting them on the field, saying, hey, guys, you're awesome. You're great. Why are you texting that kid? Why? I just want to be friends. Oh, man. Hugh Freeze is somebody I'll never understand. God bless him. Hope he does well, continues to do well at Liberty. He's the highest paid G5 coach out there now. He seriously had a good day today. Did he? What'd he do? Yeah. You don't think of high three stars, and I think he even got a four star to Liberty. Guy's putting in work. Lane Kiffin's going to put in work, too. Take your expectations for transition classes down a notch. And I think most Ole Miss fans get it. They're in on it. They understand it. But there is a segment that is never going to understand it, that is never going to be able to accept it, and they're just going to go to message boards and Twitter and light it up. We both won our first-round Twitter matches, Ben. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I got the easiest first-round draw. Yeah, you got the dude that everybody hates. Coast into the second round. Then I get matched up against Chase. He's everybody's darling because he's Switzerland. You're saying he doesn't have an opinion? That's my guy. I love him to death. 
So it goes. So it goes. Eli Acker coming up right now on the Modern Woman phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and should be in Spotify. If we're not there, let me know at Spirit Ben. I'll get it done. Going now to Eli Acker, a double dip on the Modern Woman phone line. Eli, one of the most highly ranked prospects, almost signed on Wednesday. First, let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It's Christmas time, the best time of the year. Time to celebrate with family and friends and maybe just treat yourself or a significant other to your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. And there's only one place to stop, and that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And there's no better time to go. It's year-end clearance time, which means you can save big, big money. They're closing out old models for the new 2020s coming in, so head on over to 2201 East University Avenue that's just past Kroger in Oxford and go get the new Ram 1500, the 2500, a Jeep Wrangler Unlimited, a Dodge Charger, a Chrysler Pacifica. That's in my garage right now. Purchased where? At Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. But there are numerous reasons why drivers choose Alan Samuels of Oxford. They proudly serve Oxford, Batesville, New Albany, Cenotopia, and Memphis, and their teams of sales advisors, service technicians, and financing experts are trained with one focus in mind, addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. At Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, their team will be happy to fill you in on each of the reliable options in their inventory, and when the time comes for you to drive home in your next car, maybe wrap a bow on top of it, their auto finance team will be standing by with solutions to fit your individual needs. They truly have every one of your automotive needs covered. The only question left now is how can they best serve you? So give them a call 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or the address once more, 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me on the Modern Woodman Phone Line is Eli Acker, now Ole Miss football signee. Eli, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. How does it feel now to officially be an Ole Miss Rebel? Oh, it feels great. Just uh, had a dream for a long time to be here, and it, it feels great to finally be here. Well, we could cover a lot of different things to start, but I think the first place we got to go to is you come from an Ole Miss family. For those people that don't know about it, what are the roots, what are the ties for you for Ole Miss and your family history? Uh, my grandparents live in Oxford. Uh, my dad actually grew up in Oxford, went to Oxford High. He went to he played at Mississippi College Uh my granddad, they've lived in Oxford for a really long time. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Oxford, grew up going to Ole Miss games for a long time. So knowing that, when you first made your decision, you were committing to one staff. Then this weekend you come in for a visit. Lane Kiffin's hired at Ole Miss. You wanted to get a feel for it again. You wanted to be an Ole Miss Rebel. But there was a little bit of unknown with you towards the end, right? Oh, yes, sir. I mean, they just – you know, I love Matt Luke and – uh you know, but I just I realized, you know, going back to this past weekend for the official, just uh, I realized the reasons, you know, why I committed in the first place and uh, the reasons why I needed to stick with it. What were those reasons, do you think? 
uh, you know, I, I mainly realized when I walked through the tunnel, we went out on the field, you know, just that I've had the dream to play on that field for a long time. And, uh, and then I could make that come true. Did the potential to earn early playing time also play a factor for you? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Ole Miss, they have a, there's a lot, they have a lot of interior guys, but the numbers on the outside tackle spots, they're, they're kind of low. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's big, uh, to be able to come in and work hard and potentially be able to play some freshman year. When the move first happened with Matt Luke, which schools came after your hardest? Uh, Mississippi state definitely came at me the hardest. Uh, but you know, Matt, Luke from Georgia, whenever he moved to Georgia, he started talking to me some from there. Uh, And then Alabama came in and talked to me too. I know that you got to approach this from a business-like approach, but Mississippi State being an Ole Miss guy, that had to be a little strange for you. Oh, yes, sir, it was. I mean, I, uh, you know, credits to them. I love Coach Moorhead. uh, And they have have something great great going on there too. And uh, they have a great staff and I love them, but I just, had to make the right decision for me and uh, stay a rebel. When you got to meet Lane Kiffin, when you got to get a feel for him, what was your first impression and what's the relationship like now? Oh, it was great, uh, especially meeting with him, Coach Levy and uh, Coach Clements. Uh, we just we had a great talk and, uh, you know, I really got to know them and know what, uh, what their plan is for the future, and I really like that plan. If you had to sum it up, what is that plan? Uh, you know, just to get it back where it was uh, back in – 2014, 2015, you know, beating Alabama and uh, playing for the Sugar Bowl and playing in Atlanta, you know. Coach Clements is your offensive line coach now. Had you had a previous relationship with him? And if not, um, what did he say to you that really made you feel the most comfortable about coming back into the fold with Ole Miss? Uh, I had not had a relationship with him. And I actually, I got to meet him. He uh, flew in Saturday night. uh, And so we got to meet with him and, uh, you know, he, I really got to know him some, I mean, as much as you can in 12 hours, I guess. But, uh, and I mean, he, you know, he told me it's the way he uh, runs things like scheme wise and all that kind of stuff. And I really like it. What is the scheme for him? Uh, you know, he said mainly just practice to work 50, 50, half run, half uh, throwing and just uh, really just stretching. He said, with well, me, since I'm more athletic, just uh, he'll have me pulling some. And so, and I, I like pulling too. So, as far as Lane is concerned, there's a lot of excitement at Ole Miss for the arrival of Lane. Did you sense that that feeling that Ole Miss fans are pretty pumped in this program? There's a jolt of excitement right now. Oh yes, you know, like I said earlier, I love love Matt Luke, and uh, I love what he did. You know, when he when he was handed the program, I mean, it was it was really rough. But uh, you know, having a new thing going on with Lane Kiffin, you know, it is it is an excitement because. Uh, he's done great things at other places where he's been. And uh, and I told Lane Kiffin, too, I mean, I love going to the Ole Miss games whenever we were beating Alabama, and it was awesome, and I wanted to be back like that, you know. Yeah, as far as this program, do you feel like the program is close to getting back to that point? Do you sense that? And if you do, why do you feel that way? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, it's just – it's like culture change, you know. Uh, people are stepping up. Leaders are stepping up, you know. And um, especially the new strength coach, I mean, it's just – it kind of feels like an environment change, you know. Yeah, Wilson Love, he's a character. Oh, yeah, I love him. I love him. He's all energy all the time is what I've heard. Oh, yeah, he is. I mean, for, from the first time you meet him, uh, I mean, to, I mean, every time you see him, he's just he's yelling, he's full of energy. The current players on the roster, who recruited you the hardest? Who was the best as far as selling you on sticking with Ole Miss? 
uh, probably John Rice, Plumley, and Nick Broker. Those two, I've gotten to be really close with them over the past six months probably, and they really stuck on me pretty hard. What was the selling point from John Rice? What was he saying to you? What were the conversations like on that visit? You know, I mean, he, he felt the same way. You know, he said the same thing. You know, I love Matt, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of a business and uh, how he felt that the program was going in the right direction too. For you, when you look at the current roster and looking ahead to next year, the schedule's tough, but do you sense that y'all can make some noise as early as next year? Uh, yes, sir, definitely. I think we can come in and make some noise and shock some people next year. You talked to some other recruits that were on campus. What was the general sense amongst recruits as far as Ole Miss and maybe the excitement or the energy behind the program? Oh, I mean, it was it was the energy was great. You know, that uh, really, I mean, this energy that we could come in and uh, start something special and start a, kind of a tradition at Ole Miss. You know, get some good started. As far as your fellow commitments now signees, who do you have the best relationship with? Who do you know? Uh. I know Austin Keys pretty well and Luke Schaus. And I got to meet Cade Renfro this past weekend and got to know him pretty well. And uh, he's a really cool guy. Yeah, Cade's interesting because he was a last-minute addition to the official visit list, and then he comes in uncommitted, commits a couple days later. It seemed like Ole Miss washed over him pretty good. Oh, yeah, uh-huh, for sure. He loved it, too. You know, he, he had, I don't think he'd ever been to Oxford. You know, he loved it, so – what do you anticipate as far as arrival, and what are you going to be working on up until that point? Uh, yes, I'll uh, I'll arrive during the first summer term, and uh, up until that point, I have a strength coach in Starfield that I work with, and uh, I'll just be working out and trying to get my weight up and get closer to uh, the goal I need to be at. What do you want to reach? Uh, I'll probably need to be 305 around there. What have they talked to you about position-wise? Uh, I, they're talking about keeping me at tackle, staying outside, playing tackle. Can you play both, left and right? Uh, yes, I can. Yes. So not particularly more comfortable in one spot. You're good with either one. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right, cool. So looking ahead now that you're signed, do you feel like you can take some pressure off yourself? Do you feel like you can just detox now that the recruiting process is over? How good does it feel for it to be over for you? Uh, it, it feels good to be over. I mean, you know, sometimes I'll miss some things, but, uh, you know, it's just good to finally lay back and not have people texting you all the time and nonstop and just kind of get some alone time, you know. Best part of the recruiting process, worst part is what? Uh, Best part, I'd say, is probably going on the officials and getting to take the trips to different places and seeing different things. And probably the worst part is just, you know, like say if you're tired at night but you got people blowing up your phone and you're having to text them back and stuff, that's probably the worst. Yeah, like when Ben Garrett calls you randomly, want to talk to you for a radio show. There you go, right? <laughs> oh no, that's no, no. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> oh well, congratulations, man. I know you're excited and your family's pumped up. Best of luck, and I'm sure we'll talk in the future. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you so much. That was Eli Acker signed with Ole Miss on Wednesday, one of the highest ranked signees for Ole Miss on Wednesday. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and a fleet of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and Cheney's Pharmacy. I think we can all agree that Oxford has expanded. Our small little town, the home of the Ole Miss Rebels, is now jam-packed with new developments across the board from housing to restaurants, shops. And while Oxford is bustling like never before, It's made it hard on all of us to find the perfect home in the perfect spot. 
No one wants to spend three hours going to the grocery store. Fortunately, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, is here for you. An innovative new development brought to you by John Welty Realty. It's just blocks from the historic Oxford Square, offering 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses, setting a new standard for community living with keen detail to ease and classic elegance. One day you might be hungry. You take a few steps outside your front door, go to the grocery store. Maybe you'll get a drink at the brewery. Maybe spend some time shopping at one of the many offerings that the Lamar will have once development is done. Build out is happening right now, so get in while you can. The houses are modern. Open concept, one bedroom, two bedroom, whatever you're looking for in a home, the Lamar has the perfect spot for you. But you want to learn more, so call John Welty today, 662-638-6710. That's 662-638-6710. Hello at the LamarOxfordMS.com. Hello at the LamarOxfordMS.com. The Lamar is hot. The only place to live in this jam-packed town that we call home, Oxford, Mississippi. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. And Cheney's Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Only a few minutes left in this edition of Talk of Champions. He's Colin Brister. I'm Ben Garrett. Next week, no shows. Got a bunch of best stuff stored up. I think I've already put them on SoundCloud. You can go check them out right now. Going to play those over the week, but no new shows. We need a break. I need an Ole Miss break. I think you need an Ole Miss break, too. <laughs> it is, it's been a uh, whirlwind of emotion from an Ole Miss perspective over the past month. I love my people. I really do. But I said it on Twitter, and I mean it. It's crazy how many people want to reconnect with you during a coaching search. How many friends reach out to you? Hey, man, what's going on, bud? Oh, hey, friend X. Hadn't heard from you in a year. Did you know I have a kid now? Another one? Oh, man. Checking in on your well-being, right? Oh, I just want to see how you're doing. But now that you brought it up, come on. No one's checking on my well-being this week. Nobody. What happened? Oh, yeah. Ole Miss hired a coach. But still on Wednesday, had a bunch of people calling me up. Hey, man, what's going on? How'd you think we did today? I don't know. So I need an Ole Miss break. I do. What are your final impressions of National Signing Day? Oh, look, it's kind of like I said earlier. You, you thought you were going to make a C. You made a C. It is what it is. I think Ole Miss got some guys that can play. Stars are important. Um, we're not going to pretend that they're not. But I think there's some quality depth pieces that they signed today. And I think Lane Kiffin exuded some confidence about what they can get done in February. So uh, if I had to rate the day, it was I'd, I'd give it a C+. Plus. The recruit, remaining target, unsigned target, that you're keeping your eye on in January is who? It's got to be. Do I think they get this kid? I probably don't, but it's got to be McKinley Jackson, right? Yeah. It's the number one player from the state of Mississippi. I don't know how you don't keep your eye on him. And Darius Coffey is going to be one to watch, but yeah, McKinley Jackson, he's the guy. Surprised a little bit by Coffey. I thought he would have signed on Wednesday. He didn't. 
Some drama came about Tuesday night. We'll see if he ends up on Ole Miss's signing day list in February. McKinley Jackson's the guy. He's a four-star, the number 113 prospect in the country, number 12 defensive tackle. Here's the deal. Ole Miss lost a lot of defensive linemen. Still got a ways to go there. And McKinley Jackson kind of fits exactly what Benito Jones was, doesn't he? Yeah. They need that nose tackle, that plugger. I think McKinley Jackson could come in and start next year. Wouldn't have much choice. Who is their starting nose guard right now? Ooh, um, goodness. I mean, because Benito played like 80% of the snaps. If I yeah. remember. Katie God. Hill? Yeah, that's who I was just about to say. Wasn't there a kid that like had, that got hurt against Alabama that was playing pretty well? Quentin Bivens? Yeah, him. Man, they got to get a nose tackle. Yeah. Yeah, McKinley Jackson, that's the number one guy. But there are a number of players that I'm going to be interested in seeing where they end up. Demond Clowney. I just wish Ole Miss fans would understand, not everyone, but some. This is what you have to sacrifice to get what you want. Yep. You wanted a new head coach. Well, you got to sacrifice for the short term to get the long-term gain. I don't really think you sacrificed that much. Probably not. And you gained a lot in season ticket sales. And I believe yeah. this roster is set up to win games. I know it's going to be tough for anybody to not start 2-5 and five next year. It was always going to be tough. But this roster is sneaky talented. More talented than Baylor, but according to you know <laughs> recruiting rankings. Um, so God, Matt Rolls can end up as the Cowboys head coach. God. Maybe he goes to the Giants, man. I prefer that. Maybe he goes to the Giants. I think he's a good football coach, but yeah, man, let's just play this out real quick. Lincoln Riley goes to the Cowboys. They're kind of in a mess. Oklahoma is with the coaching cycle being what it is. Yeah. What do you do? I asked Ooh. Keith Carter that. It was a really good discussion. The cycle did matter to Ole Miss. You forecasted out who you're going to be competing against. And when you looked at this cycle, Ole Miss could easily make the argument it had the number two job available behind what Florida State. And I could argue that Ole Miss and Florida State currently, not traditionally, but currently, are pretty much in the same place. Like Florida State's got to beat Clemson every single year. Yep. They looked at this cycle, knew Ole Miss was in a good position. You make the move. I think Keith Carter weighed everything, and that was part of it. No, I think that's completely fair. And I'm sure he gauged what might be open next year, too. What'd you ask for for Christmas? Man, honestly, I have not asked for anything yet. I need to get that together. I need to go holiday shopping, too. I always put that off to the last minute. I always have it done by Thanksgiving. Really? Throughout the year, I'm always keeping my eye out for potential gifts. Yeah. I'm a dynamic gift giver. Do you do wrapping? Or do you Hell have to yeah, explain? I do. How about that? I can't yeah. wrap gifts. Oh, I'm a baller. <laughs> I put a lot of pride into my gift giving. You can ask my family. Show up to show out. I only ask for money. At some point in your life, you quit caring about stuff and only care about money. Somebody <laughs> gives you a new PlayStation controller, you're like, hey, I'd rather have the $60. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's probably something I'm going to get is, is uh, 2K. I haven't gotten that yet. You should have bought it on Black Friday. You could have had it for 20 bucks. Ooh. Yeah, you screwed Ooh. up. I don't play PlayStation as much as I used to when I was in college, though. So it's kind of tough. The one thing you want to see from Ole Miss football in 2020 is what? Well, I mean, a, a bowl game. If I get one request, it's, hey, go to a bowl game. I'm not going to request the record or anything. Like, go to the Music City Bowl, go to Nashville, go to Birmingham, go to a bowl game, and get the fan base excited again. Ole Miss will take 50,000 people to wherever they go. Haven't been to a bowl in four years. Yeah, it'll be five by the time they roll around. Uh, it just can't happen. No. He's Colin Brister. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions, and iTunes. And when you do... Make sure it's a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you in about a week and a half.
All right. Sounds good.